What's up, everybody? It's Austin Rivers from the Minnesota Timberwolves. It's a new year, and I have a new podcast here at The Ringer, Off Guard, hosted by me and my guy, Pasha Hagigi. Austin and I go way back and talk so much hoop already that we figured it was time to fire up the mics and let you in on all of these conversations. Every week, Pasha and I will hit on the biggest stories happening in the league and get Austin's perspective of someone currently hooping in the NBA. Tap into Off Guard every Friday on The Ringer NBA Show feed on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors has everything you need to keep your ride or die alive. From superchargers, brakes, exhaust kits, and more, 122 million parts, eBay Motors levels your baby up to its peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home the win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans at Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. Hi, welcome to the Ringer F1 show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm your host today, Megan Schuster, filling in for Kevin Clark, and I am thrilled to be joined by Luke Smith of Autosport. Luke, how are you? I'm good, thanks, Megan. Yeah, doing well. It's um, we were saying just before we start recording that F1's off season never really feels like an off season. There's always <laughs> something going on, something to talk about. So uh, yeah, but it's yeah, great to be back on with you guys. It's uh, yeah, always always a pleasure. Yeah, not to be a total Twitter creep, but I saw that you went to the 1975 show in Brighton last week. Yes. Oh, How was it? I'm incredibly oh, it jealous. It was so good. It was so good. I got last minute tickets with my friends and um, it was just the most mind-blowing show, like the production and everything they put into it. The They they built like a, a house on the set and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And I, I'd seen, um, they did their US tour before coming to the UK and I'd seen some pictures and I was like, oh, it looks really yeah. good to go. So uh, yeah, amazing show. Music sort of my, my second passion in life, let's say after Formula One. So really nice way to start the year. I love it. I saw them at the end, tail end of 2022 here and yeah, totally oh, agree. Amazing. One of Maybe the best show I saw last year, and I saw yeah. a lot. I was making up for a lot of concerts last year, yeah, so same. very much agree. <laughs> um, yeah, so Luke is joining us for a couple of reasons. First, because he's just generally one of my favorite F1 journalists and incredibly informed. And second, because we got some pretty massive news on the F1 expansion front last week, and Luke has been on the forefront of reporting on it. So... Generally, Michael Andretti and his company Andretti Global announced on Thursday that they've partnered with General Motors and Cadillac and together are trying to gain approval for an F1 expansion team that would be called Andretti Cadillac. Um, Andretti's been wanting to or talking about wanting to join F1 for years, um, especially during 2021 and 2022. And then this announcement came just a week after the FIA president said that he and his team were looking for interest from potential new teams. There's so much going on here and so many layers that I want to delve into. But Luke, first of all, how did you initially kind of hear about this news and what was your first reaction to it? I think 
surprised at the speed at which things moved because we've known about Andretti's F1 aspirations for some time. Michael Andretti has been very, very open about that. He spent a lot of last year basically trying to muster up this support and get people on side and say, look, I want to come and join the F1 grid. I think it can be of added value to the sport. And for the most part, people were like, well, no, we're not really sure about that. There was that resistance sort of from F1 status quo, let's say. But Behind all of it, it was that well, no matter how much he wants to join, he can't anyway because the FIA isn't expanding the grid. Right. But then when we had the FIA president send out that tweet, that kind of set the dominoes in motion. And the fact that Andressi and Cadillac, what, three days later had an announcement ready to go, <laughs> it kind of shows that it wasn't just, uh, it didn't happen in those three days. So clearly there'd been a lot of uh, pre-planning that had gone into this. But I think that, yeah, for me, th- it was the fact that this wasn't just Andretti basically banging the same drum that he had last year. He said, look, I was told to go away and show what I would bring to Formula One. And now what I'm bringing to Formula One is uh, a big global manufacturer in General Motors through their Cadillac brand. And I think that was the thing because we got we got sent through the invite to a press conference and mm-hmm. we were kind of like, we, th- we think it's Formula One. Like, surely it's got to be. <laughs> and I kept saying to my colleagues, I was like, but General Motors, like them in F1, really? Like, what are they going to do? Right, so that was, right. that was the bit that I think really shocked me. And uh, yeah, very exciting, obviously. But then it's been the sort of fallout and the reaction since then that has been uh, just made this such a huge story for F1. And I think it's going to be a big one going through 2023. Yeah. So the reaction to this, and we can get a little bit more into the bit itself later and kind of some of the specifics, but the reaction to this has been really, really fascinating. Um, Almost immediately after Andretti and Cadillac released this sentiment, um, F1 put out a statement reminding people in no uncertain certain terms of the strenuous approval process needed for expansion, saying that they were having talks with other potential entrants, though behind closed doors, which was sort of interesting to me. And then you have leaders of teams like Total Wolf from Mercedes saying that they'll only sign off on expansion if there's some pretty massive proof of contract concept and that they're wanting, you know, more of a larger actual manufacturer of a team rather than somebody who's going to come in, you know, more so in branding only. Andretti, in response to all of this, has given some pretty spicy quotes calling existing F1 teams greedy and, you know, kind of saying that they have it out for him. And um, But what do you see as the major concerns of these teams generally? I know a lot of it has come down to money, but it seems like there are some other facets of this too that um, teams are kind of pushing back on. Yeah, definitely. I think money, as with so much in Formula One, is the that that's the basis of all of this, really. It's the the fact that if you add an eleventh team to the grid, then the existing 10 teams, their slice of the pie gets a bit smaller. So mm-hmm. if they're going to give that up, they need convincing, basically. They need to be shown that look, it's for the the benefit of everyone for the long term to, to make this happen and for for us to do this. So I think that's that's at the core of it. We know there is this um dilution fund, a 200 million dollar right. fee that Andretti would have to pay just before before anything else, just to even get a foot in the door to maybe set up an F1 team. And uh, Andretti said he's fine with that. But F1 and the teams, their feeling is that when that was set in 2020, obviously it was mm-hmm. during COVID, it was a very different point. And since then, we've seen this massive boom in the US particularly, and F1 commercially is, is doing better than ever. And that is why they're saying, well, 200 million, that's not really enough because we get 20 million each. That'll look at, maybe cover us for a year or two, but right. in the long term, we'll still be worse off. So they're looking to hopefully increase that figure in the future. And that's 
that that sort of financial concern is very big but it's also how andretti has gone about this like he is he he from day one has not been um not he's not been very sort of subtle about it let's say and i think that's for better or for worse i think it's exciting that someone is so passionate about wanting to join the f1 grid but F1, like they, they kind of have a way of doing things in the paddock. Like it's a very sort of like, well, no, there's a process to follow and you need to sort of like work with various people here and there. And I think that the feeling from the teams is they don't like that Andretti's kind of riding on the coattails of the president saying, oh, I mm. just want a new team. And him saying, right, okay, we'll do it. Let's push it through. That there is more process to go through. Like you said, the F1 statement made clear that they have to give that sign off as well. And uh, yeah, for Andretti to then say the teams, while well, they're being greedy, it's like, well, that's not really going to help things, I don't think, because uh, it'll kind of only work to the perception that they've already built up. So mm-hmm. it's this it's this really interesting sort of political game that's playing out now. We've got Andretti, very eager, very experienced, obviously, but he's kind of got it's a bit of give and take like do you bite the hand that feeds you it's mm-hmm. a really tricky one yeah there was some really interesting imagery i know you had mentioned him going around the paddock in miami last year um and there were some really fun funny pictures of him walking around with what seemed like a sign-up sheet almost yes. just <laughs> to a certain point where he was just like going door to door basically yeah. asking for signatures on this on this paper and it seems like you know that's been a point of pushback for sure um I've seen some musings that uh, the Andrettiness of it all is is one of people's major hangups and that if this bid had been presented, maybe not in association with him specifically, and it was just kind of a GM Cadillac bid or that they were partnering with someone else that maybe these teams would be more open to it. Do you think there's much merit to that? Or is that just sort of like another drop in the bucket with all of these concerns? I think yeah it's probably another another drop in the bucket I think that you look at the you look at the prospect of getting GM into Formula One. Now, F1, mm-hmm. that that's great. Like They want as many manufacturers as possible in the pinnacle of motorsport. We've got Audi coming along in 2026. Right. They're buying Sauber. They're doing an engine deal. And for that, F1 rolled out the red carpet. We had uh, a big press conference in Belgium. They mocked up a, a car with an Audi livery and stuff like that. They really went to town on it. And that showed like the kind of appeal, the kind of support that F1 would give if it knew, right, we're getting a manufacturer commitment, a lot of money, a lot of investment, a lot of um, support for what we're building for the future. And I think the fear is that with what GM and Cadillac are doing, they're not convinced that it is actually going to be anything like that. They're kind of thinking that it's going to be more of a a sponsorship deal and just some stickers Mm -hmm. on the car, which that's not really what F1 wants. So it's a, it's, it's a tricky one. Like Andretti, they've, they've kind of outlined some of the early plans and they've said to begin with, it would be a collaboration with an existing engine manufacturer. And the worry is from F1 that if Andretti takes a, uh, say a Renault engine, for example, and rebadges it as a Cadillac, does it really have Cadillac and GM in F1 or is it more just a sponsorship exercise? So I think that's um, that's the concern, I think. And yeah, I think the the Andretti-ness, I like that. It's a good way to put it. It's, um, <laughs> it's maybe rubbed people up the wrong way. And I know that F1 sort of has this reputation at times for being quite, maybe quite sort of insular and that it's kind of always done things one way. So therefore that's the way to do it, which isn't really the best approach, obviously, to to many things. But Mm -hmm. I think that, yeah, for Andretti kind of just to say, well, I want a Formula One team and therefore I should get one. I think that's what maybe has put a few noses out of joint in in the European paddock. Yeah. And and that aspect of it too has really fascinated me because when you think of, you know, insular F1, you would think of somebody 
completely outside of that world trying to come in and buy a team and like for all intents and purposes, Michael Andretti has a very long history with regards mm. to F1, you know, from his father, from him racing in F1. Uh, so I, I, I am curious kind of like if the hesitation is more so just the public nature of it or if it's him as a personality in general. But I'm also interested, too, in sort of Andretti billing this as kind of an quote unquote all-American team which feels a bit to me like a shot at Haas, but is also also very fun. Um, he has said that he wants to operate out of a new factory that they're building in Fishers, Indiana, which is scheduled to open in 2025. There have been rumors that he wants to give a seat to an American driver. Um, you know, that's been said to potentially be Colton Herta, who they already have a contract with in IndyCar. Um, what do you think a fully U.S.-based operation would mean for F1? And is that kind of attractive at all to the sport, given its big push, um, you know, having three races here next year? It's it's a tricky one because that that kind of all-American effort, as you say, is it is a shot at Haas, definitely. And like <laughs> I, I spoke with Michael in Miami last year, it would have been, and he um, Haas came up and he kind of sort of said, well, it's not, not really an American team, is it? Like they've got a factory in the U.K., the car is built in Italy, no American drivers, no American sort of senior figures within that team. And mm -hmm. there is a, a certain point to that, but ultimately it's still, it's still an American flag on, on the license and it's still sure. an American owner overall at the end of the day. So F1 ultimately, if it went to its, its shareholders, which is what this is all about, really, it's about how does F1 grow the sport and give more value to its shareholders. If they say, we're getting a new all-American team, then they might say, well, we've already got an American team. It's it's called Haas. It's already racing mm -hmm. there. So mm -hmm. for Andretti to be pushing on that kind of, that that thing, I think that's, that's the tricky part in all of this, that ultimately, is it actually going to give F1 that kind of growth? And I think that if we knew for sure that Andretti was going to come in, be competitive, be winning from day one, say Colton Hurst got that seat that he was competitive, then yeah, that would be amazing. We know um, Americans love sports, but America loves winners as well. Like it's, it's a big right. thing. They want to see a successful American team and a successful American driver. And I think that it's obviously impossible in F1 to give that guarantee. So I think, yeah, it's, it's, it would, it would definitely help F1 in the US, no doubt. And it might maybe give some American fans who maybe don't, feel that kind of same that same kind of connection let's say with Haas because yeah it's mm -hmm. not based in the US and it doesn't have any US drivers then maybe they might want to yeah might want to get behind the Andretti team instead but also like you look at a race like Austin it's a sellout crowd there's not right. they're not short on ticket sales they could probably sell that another 100,000 tickets on top of that they've got Haas Hill and people go mad for Gunter Steiner and everything like that and I think that Haas is getting more and more on board with this kind of American um, mm -hmm. imagery, let's say, and, and identity. So I think that that's, yeah, I think that ticks that box. So I think that with Andretti, like, okay, the American angle, that's, that's really cool. And that's really mm -hmm. interesting. And if we had an F1 team chiefly based out of the United States, that would be a great story, but sure. it would only go so far. I think it wouldn't, I think go, it wouldn't be this huge step forward in terms of what they would be bringing to F1 over what we have already. Mm -hmm. Going back kind of to the engine portion portion of this, we've you've you talked about it a little bit before and kind of the concerns over whether GM would be a fully manufacturing partnership. Um, 
they, they've said that, you know, they wouldn't be able to create their own very specific Cadillac engine until I think it was, you know, 2025, 2026 at the very earliest. Um, although in their proposal, you know, as you said, there aren't very many clear specifications for, or promises, I guess, that they will end up building their own engine. It sounds like they may ultimately have a deal with um, Renault for the first few years and kind of do some rebadging there. Why do you think, or what do you think the benefit, I guess, for GM and Cadillac is to getting into Formula One generally? And then also, you know, if they were to kind of build out a fully works team, that's, you know, of course, a much more expensive and costly time-wise endeavor than it would be to just have sort of a sponsorship deal. Um, so I, I guess I'm curious what you think the advantage is for them to have a works team, if there is at all, or just to get into F1 in general. Well, I think they want to, I mean, ultimately F1, it is a, a huge marketing tool. That's why right. these teams go racing. They go to look like the quickest best car manufacturers in the world to be at the pinnacle of motorsport and therefore the pinnacle of the automotive world. And um, I was talking with uh, an American friend of mine earlier and he said to me, what's the perception of Cadillac in Europe? Like, what do you think when mm, you think of Cadillac? Mm -hmm. And I said, I think of this massive, ginormous American car going down the highway. And I don't think of like a, um, like a sports car or anything that's particularly sure. sort of at the, at the real pinnacle of racing. So it, that is ultimately what they want to change. They want to change that perception from Europeans like me who don't really know much about Cadillac. <laughs> and that's, that's what we think of. So that's, that's a big, a big goal that will come with their F1 entry. And as you say, like ultimately if they did do a like full bells and whistles commitment and say, we're going to do our own factory scene. We're going to build our own engine and everything like that. That would be, yeah, that would be a different proposition. Obviously that would be very exciting. And F1, I think immediately would say, yep, that's what we want because mm -hmm. you look at what, at what Porsche is discussing doing and right. has looked at, that's what F1 wants. They want proper manufacturer involvement. And I think that the challenge though for Cadillac would be like, as you say, it's very expensive. So what kind of return would they get mm -hmm. from that? And I spoke with um, the CEO of Alfa Romeo uh, mm. over the summer break. I think it was the French Grand Prix, I want to say. And uh, we spoke about their deal with, with Sauber because obviously Alfa Romeo doesn't build an engine. It doesn't give right. technical support. It, that is really a, just a big sponsorship deal. And he said to me, I've got the best return of investment on earth. Like I love it. He said, people know it's the Alfa Romeo team. They talk about Alfa Romeo in Formula One, but I don't have all the costs of developing a sure. car, doing an engine program and all of that. And I think that is why, yeah, more manufacturers might look at doing that kind of thing, having mm -hmm. those kind of partnerships and why for Cadillac, like if they did want to just do a stickers agreement and make it a livery, but it's a Renault engine or whatever, then mm -hmm. there's definitely sort of, you, you can see why they want to do that. But uh, Mark Royce, who's the president of General Motors, he spoke in the press conference they did with Andretti about the sort of technical support that GM could offer. He said that we want the full sort of Cadillac racing support to be there for this program. So that's me indicated it would go deeper than just okay. a Cadillac livery or Cadillac stickers. But I think there's still that skepticism from Formula One. Like it's all very well saying that, but we actually want to mm -hmm. see the sort of commitment and proof that you're going to go further than just saying, look, we'll use the marketing exposure of Formula One, but right. without really investing in the sport. Mm hmm. So, so far, it seems like Andretti has some support from the FIA, given, you know, some of the statements that their president has been making. Um, 
It also seems that he has support from McLaren and Alpine so far. Of course, Alpine, because if they end up using a Renault engine, they would be connected in that way. Um, Is there much of a kind of power struggle at play here between the FIA and F1? Because it seems like this bid has been met with a bit of resistance from F1 at large. And, you know, of course, they said that they're currently in talks with other potential players here who may be involved in some expansion bids. Um, so I, I am wondering what that means for, you know, those two entities kind of butting heads over this. Yeah, definitely. And I think power struggle is the perfect way to put it. I think that is what is unfolding and what we're we're heading for in 2023 with this really, I guess, sort of lighting the, the fire and starting it. Because I think that ultimately you've got the FIA, which says, well, we're the regulator, we're the governing mm-hmm. body. It's our process to look after. Therefore, if we want to do it, we'll 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 do it. We'll go ahead and ask for those expressions of interest. But F1, as it immediately put out when that Andretti news was announced, <laughs> it has to approve it. It has mm-hmm. to give the green light, as do the teams. They all have to be on board because ultimately it's meant to be a collaboration between the FIA and F1. It's supposed to be this partnership that works together. But right. you've currently got the two sides giving very different messages. You've got Mohammed Ben Salayam, the FIA president, being so enthusiastic about Andretti, mm-hmm. tweeting about it, saying that he's surprised why people aren't excited about it. And then on F1 side, the statement it put out did not mention Andretti or Cadillac right. at all. Right. And you go on the F1 website and there's not a single mention of, of that news. And that's big, big F1 mm-hmm. news. Like, that's why we're doing this podcast. So it's it's uh, such a, a big story that they've just completely ignored. And that kind of points to where F1 is at with it. And I think that there have been brewing tensions between F1 and the FIA for some time. I think that when Ben Slyam came in, he was a very different personality to what we had with the previous president. Mm-hmm. And towards the end of last year, he said, no, everything's great with F1. Like the relationship is, is all good. But it was even things like the sprint races. The teams and F1 sure. said, we want, want, we want more sprint races in 2023. And the FIA, they put in that final roadblock and said, well, no, not until we get something that we want. So it was a real like... That was a power play. And I think this is going to be the next big one, but it's so much bigger because it really does impact everyone in Formula One. It impacts every single team and their revenues. It impacts obviously Andretti and their plans for the future. And I think that it's just, this fascinating story we're going to have unfold. I'm I'm excited, like sort of from a perverse journalist like point of view, where I want to be like getting into these stories. I love the idea that we could have this war playing out through this year. And mm-hmm. yeah, who who else is going to have a similar thing? Are we going to see more parties come forward and it'll be F1 saying, yep, we're fully behind their bid and the FIA then go, no, we're not so sure. I don't know. <laughs> it's um, It could be a really, really interesting uh, power struggle. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like... 
Can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC slim fit trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I wanna wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. I'm with you. I I fully root for chaos in just about every sport that I I cover and follow. And so this has been like, you know, Christmas morning for me. I, I was so excited to hear all of the drama surrounding this and especially with F1 when they're so much more open than some other sports with, with all of their drama, they just wear it on their Mm. sleeve, which (laughs) which I love. Um, do you think that expansion is kind of like a, a foregone conclusion in F1? Do you think it's more dependent on the, the, you know, the sorts of bids that they're getting, or do you think this is just kind of like out of everyone's hands at this point and it's going to happen and it's just kind of a matter of when? No, I think it really does depend on the bids that come forward. And I think okay. it also depends on what happens with the existing teams as well, because I think F1, their their primary goal in all of this is let's look after the current 10 teams. These are teams that have got long histories that have invested in some cases, billions of dollars into mm-hmm. racing in Formula One and helping make the sport what it is today. If you're a Mercedes or a Red Bull or Ferrari, then I really hate to put a number on how much they've spent on F1. But if they do that only to be then told, actually your revenue is going to be falling just because we want to add another team on the grid, that's not going to sit very well with them. So I think F1, their first goal will be protect the current 10 teams. They wouldn't want to add Andretti and see a current team go out of business, for example, because it's not getting this sort of interest or support or anything. But I think that it then really just does depend on what bids they get. They're not going to add a new team for the sake of it. We saw in 2010, F1 added three new teams that were backmarker operations. They were told they were coming in with something like a, a 50 million pound budget cap, which was obviously never going to happen. Mm-hmm. And the teams didn't survive. They they all went out of business within seven years and they didn't really bring a lot of value to F1 in terms sure. of, I think the best result any of them ever got was ninth place. So it's that kind of thing where ultimately F1, they don't want to just put a team on the grid for it to fail in a few years. I think they know that the expansion would be good. You get more cars, more drivers, and that's always going to lead to more action. But also you can't just do it for the sake of it. You need to make sure it's sustainable because ultimately this current F1 boom, we'd love it to last forever. We would, but it's not really realistic. And I think Mm -hmm. that's where you've got to think about the sustainability that comes down the line, essentially. And when manufacturers maybe say, we've spent our money on F1, we're going now, how is that going to impact the rest of the grid? And I think that that's really the main focus right now. It's sustainability, Q2, 
keep the current 10 teams in like going well. And only then would it really think about a serious, serious candidate to, to join the grid. So what is next in kind of the approval process and the timeline? It sounds like they need the FIA's approval, F1's approval. Do they also need all 10 teams to have signed off or just a majority or how does that work? I believe it would be a majority. I'm not actually sure, to be honest. It would either okay. be all 10 or or at least nine out of 10. It would mm-hmm. be like the vast majority. So mm-hmm. I think that that's, that's a, a hurdle they've got to get through. It, it, stuff like that in the Concord Agreement, they do keep very much under wraps. So it would be, right. yeah, that would be the kind of thing that they would definitely need the sort of wholesale support on. It's not going to be something that the FIA can just push through. Mm-hmm. In terms of the sort of timeline, then yeah, to begin with, we need the FIA to formally start the sort of um, bidding process and everything like that. So what they will do, they will put out uh, uh, an expression of interest request and that will formally give a window, say a month or so, for any interested party to come forward and say, we want to start the Formula One team. And Dressy, Cadillac, they will be at the front of that queue. Mm -hmm. We know that. After that, the FIA then goes through an evaluation process. So it's looking at things like, do you have the technical resources? Do you have the um, financial funding? Do you have a good experience in racing? And Andresi and Cadillac tick all of those boxes, without a doubt. Andresi Autosport, I mean, that's one of the most famous names in all of world motorsport, Mm -hmm. an amazing track record in the US and IndyCar. So there's no doubt about that. We know we'd be getting a serious racing team with Andretti if it did join the F1 grid. But then obviously, yeah, it's that hurdle of even if the FIA says yes, F1 and the other 10 teams, they've got to think about it as well. And I think that the other sort of interesting element is the timeline, because we know that new facility in Fishers, Indiana, I think 2025 is when that's due to mm-hmm. be operational. F1's current Concord agreement runs to the end of 2025, I believe, and 26 will be a big new start for F1. So it might be that the teams, if they're so worried about what it would do for their prize money, they might say, fine, you can come in for 2026, but there'll be a new Concord agreement and we want $800 million instead of sure. $200 million or something like that. So that's it's it's going to be a lot of give and take. And I think that ultimately... I'm I personally, I'm really excited about the idea of Andresi and Cadillac joining F1. I think it would be a really cool story. I think it would be a good step for F1 in the US. But I think that there's also got to be that give and take that they've got to maybe realize going around the paddock with, as you said, a little sign-up <laughs> sheet, that's, that's not the way that it's going to work, that they're going to need to maybe go through the more sort of formal process and really show to these teams that this is what we'll bring to Formula One. This is why you will be better off if you let us join the grid. And mm-hmm. I think that's going to be a really tough process, but it's, um, it's exciting. Like, I think it's a really cool story. I think it's one that will rumble on. And I think that, yeah, when, um, when we get to sort of like particularly the US races, Miami, I think sure. that's going to be a really exciting one to see what kind of mood and feeling there is, particularly sort of when we're on American soil about the idea of Andretti being on the F1 grid in the future. Yeah, you're right. It is it is very exciting, a prospect and, and just fun to talk about in general. If you had to give it a percentage chance of happening, just at this current moment in time, knowing everything that you know right now, yeah. What uh, what odds would you give it? What kind of Oof. percentage? Um, w- with things as they are right now, just, I just would, as they are right now, just as they are right now, I would put it at less than fifty percent, to be honest. Okay. Which is okay. which is a shame, but I think that just the way they've gone about it, yes, mm-hmm. getting GM and Cadillac—that's a big thing. 
but they've got to convince the F1 team still. That's that's not enough. They yeah. need to do more to say to the F1 teams, yeah, you're going to be better off for letting us join. Who who do you see as kind of the biggest names that they may have to sway within teams? Like does, you know, do Toto Wolf and Christian Horner carry excess weight? Is Or is it kind of just like each team is, you know, looking out for their own interests in their own way and they have to kind of convince everybody on the grid? Well, I think it's it's going to be one of these rare occasions where actually everyone in the F1 grid basically already is kind of on the same side because they're mm. normally <laughs> up against each other in these big political debates. But now sure. this is something that actually would impact all of them in a very, very similar way. And you do see these kind of little alliances that build up on the F1 grid. So Mercedes mm-hmm. and Toto Wolff, obviously they've got the links to, to Williams, to Aston Martin as well, who take Mercedes engines. Um, you look at a, a team like Red Bull, they've got AlphaTauri, their, their B team, which again, that's a, an ally. So they're always going to vote the same way on things. Mm-hmm. Ferrari, they've got their ties to Haas. They've got their ties to um, Sauber as well. Obviously, that's coming to an end in the future when Audi comes in. But yeah, I think that they've got to be looking to... Yeah, it's, it's the big names. It's the people that we're talking to every week in the paddock. It's it's the Toto Wolfs. It's the, the Christian Horners, the, the Fred Vasseurs, the Andreas Seidels of this world because they're the ones ultimately who will be at that top table when these plans are presented to say yes or no. And I think that, I think all of them really just needs full proof that this would be a good thing for F1. And that at the moment isn't really what they've seen. And mm-hmm. I mean, Toto Wolf, he's been pretty, he's been, he's been pretty open about it and honest yeah. about it saying that Andresi, great name, would be cool to have them on the F1 grid, but it's got to work for everybody for it to really be viable. So I think that, yeah, if I were Michael Andresi, I'd maybe be, maybe laying a little bit lower, maybe saying, look, I've said my bit, you know my plan, you know my intention. Now wait for the official FIA process to start. Mm-hmm. And then when we get to the start of the new season, get talking to those teams and say, look, let's let's get a coffee. Let's say, that let's really talk about my plan and I'll show you that it's not just an Andretti team with a Cadillac sticker on it. It's a proper commitment from Cadillac to make F1 better. And I think that, yeah, it's those kind of political games that make make F1 so, (laughs) so fascinating. And I think it's going to make for a really, really good year. So interesting. I truly cannot wait to follow it. Uh, (laughs) Thank you so much, Luke, for joining us. I really appreciate it. No worries. Thank you guys very much. Thank you, everyone, for listening and tuning in. Uh, This has been the Ringer F1 Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.